That's astonishing. Hey, what's up, guys? We're a new podcast called It's Pronounced Football. We're a football slash soccer podcast um, for all your Premier League. Basically, every league, we just chat about it. We have a beer and we chat about the sport. Um, I'm Tom. I'm from London. Um, I moved to America almost three years ago now, and I've got a couple of buddies with me. Um, And I'm a Tottenham fan. Hey guys, my name is Bronto. I was actually born in Bosnia and I moved to the States in 1999. I've been a Chelsea fan since 1998 and uh, I've lived through the good times and the bad times. Um, a lot more bad, better times than the bad times. And um, I'm, I don't know what to say next. Lost my train of thought. Well, yeah, that's because, you know, Chelsea kind of sucks. Um, I'm Steve-O also known as Slippy Steve. Um, I was actually born in the U.S., but grew up in Nigeria, and now I'm back again, you know, just bouncing back and forth. I'm a May United fan. Um, been a United fan before the treble in 99. Just want to clarify that real quick. Um, also, obviously, Nigeria Super Eagles fan. Still remember when we were ranked in the top five in the whole world. Just shout out to that piece of history. Um, you know, life has been great. For as a May United fan, not so recently, but we're back in the up and up, and just we'll be looking to remind these boys of how amazing Manchester United is as we uh, claim top four and win the season next year. I still can't believe Tottenham beat Arsenal. Man, I'm I'm pumped about that. Especially, especially, especially after having no shots on target against Burnmouth. Yeah, really. It came out of nowhere, man. Like, like, how does that even happen? Well, they, they didn't even play that well, to be honest. Um, but whatever they did, I thought we had a couple of players that... I thought LaCelso had a bad game. Um, ben Davis did okay, I guess. Still not like a crazy good performance. But Lucas Mora, damn, that boy played out of his skin. Really? Yeah, man. He made 10, 10 tackles, which is the most for any Tottenham player in a game since 2014. He's a striker. Oh, yeah, I know. They put him on the wing. They, they marked them 4-4-2, and it seemed to work because they didn't really test us. They just oh. had the ball a lot. Um, but, man, crazy. I'm so happy about that win. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you are. I'm really pissed off about today. Like, Apparently, like, what, Luke Shaw and Brandon Williams are both injured, so we don't have a left back. And we need to beat Leicester City on the 26th, and we should beat everybody else on the 26th because we're tied with them. Well, we're not tied. They have better goal difference, so we are in fifth. We should have hopped over Chelsea and Leicester City. So I am very happy considering that. Oh, I'm sure you are. Where's Chelsea out? Yeah. <laughs> Feel like I feel like there's a lifeline, and Chelsea had this opportunity, had this opportunity to move on up, and just never ever wanted to take it. And the craziest part to me is that Leicester 
I mean, I was looking at the statistic, and they lost – out of the last seven games, they won single game. We're talking yeah. about a team that beat Southampton 9 nil earlier yeah. in the season. What happened to their form? They've well, fallen off. It shows you how important Madison is because they haven't got Madison at the moment or Ricardo Pereira. So those two players completely changed Leicester's whole game. Huh. And it's showing with their form at the moment. They're not looking great. They they can't string passes together. I guess Madison is their, their engine and playmaker in the middle that just makes every bit of difference to that team. Well, um, even their attitude, like against uh, Bournemouth, their attitude of every single player was absolutely abysmal. Like, Sayachuk literally just took the guy out when he was trying to get the ball and got the red card. Got kicked yeah. out. I don't get it. It's like the entire attitude of the entire defense and midfield was just trash. I mean, oh. they might be tired as well. Like, like United, similar to Man U, they're not resting players. They're just going with the same starting eleven every week. And that showed Man United today. That showed how tired they were. Fernando yeah, did like, nothing. Like, Pogba gave the ball away. United have depth. I feel like it's – this weekend, the top four contenders have generally been let down by the tactical side of management. You know, yeah. they actually have depth. If you start, if you start with uh, Fred or any, or if you just start with Fred in the midfield instead of playing Bruno and Pogba for the fifth time in a season, then Pogba can come in or Bruno can come in with fresh legs in the second half and change the entire game. Yeah. Instead of taking him out and then putting Fred in when everyone else is tired and needs an uplift, Fred is not a guy who's going to give you that uplift. No, but the thing is, though, like, I mean, for what I've seen when we're playing is that Matic is a whole level above McTominay and Fred. Because, like, because what, what Matic does, like, he really doesn't play like a defensive midfielder. He's just like a, he's just like a deeper midfielder than even Pogba. Because, like, Matic is getting the ball right on the back line with, other, with the other defenders and sending in the ball. He's either carrying it or passing the ball up, which Pogba does the same, but he doesn't drop all the way down. So then Bruno's just allowed to just, like, roam around and do whatever he wants because, like, we, he can just do whatever he wants because he has two people that can drop back and pass the ball. And the same thing with Maguire. I mean, Maguire's been playing defensively that well, but when Maguire carries, he can carry and pass the ball. So, but Fred cannot do that. McTominay can't do that as well. And that's why it really worked. We have, like, deep playing, deep, deep line, like, playmakers like that. Well, Mata could. And you had Mata on bench, too. I don't, I, don't, I don't really get it. <laughs> I feel like playing five games in a row when the games are every three days. It's you're gonna have mistakes like Pogba made today. It's just mental exhaustion. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I was saying. Like, that's what I was saying. Like, he needs. We need to rotate, and we did it. And I was like, oh look, we would have been in third right now, or in fifth, and then we have to hope after Tottenham shows up against Leicester City, then we have to show up against Leicester City. Too, and have to show up against Chelsea in the FA Cup semifinal. And isn't it Arsenal, Leicester City on the other side of the semifinal? It's a they're playing this. Who have they got this week? Hold on. Um, For the FA Cup, it's 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 May United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester City, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think so. I think you're right. Did you see Maguire's defending for the, the final goal? No. He was marking Wambasaka. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he had both hands on Wambasaka's back. And then I think it was Bednarek for Southampton got the flick on at the near post. And I saw a meme on Instagram, and it was Maguire, like, holding Wambasaka's back. Oh, my goodness, dude. Yeah, I, I thought I thought uh, Solskjaer got it extremely wrong today on lineups. And, I mean, but it's, it's been happening, you know. Frank Lampard got it wrong against Sheffield. It was just very poor man management, I thought. I think so. It, it's also tough because you can imagine talking to the players. Every single player will say, yeah, I'm fit, I can play, because everyone wants to play. So you kind of got to go with your instinct. And as much as I badmouth him, that's what Mourinho does. Like, if Mourinho thinks you shouldn't play, you won't be playing. No matter how much I hate it being a Spurs fan, he will not play in Dombele because he's not fit enough. Yeah. Uh, I called. I called Spurs beating Arsenal. I knew it was going to happen. Mourinho is, as much as I hate his style and as boring as it is, against big teams, he shows up. He shows up and he will find a way to win. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he just he exposed Arsenal's defense. He played deep and then knew that Kane and Son would get help from the wings in, I don't know why he played Sissoko on the wing. I think he played Sissoko on the wing to keep Kieran Tierney quiet and Tierney did nothing all game. Uh, Nicolas Pepe probably the most overrated winger in the league. If Ben Davis can keep you quiet, I'm sorry, but you're not a good footballer. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you're not that good if Ben Davis can can keep you quiet. Because Ben Davis, as you know, I just don't think he's great. Um, but he defended really well and hit the bar from 35 yards. Um, oh, that would have been some goal. But I think Mourinho just got tactically completely correct. I so think it could, have been, it could have been more if Harry Kane and Son weren't so selfish. Like, mm-hmm. Kane shoots from, like, the wide, like the tightest angle when Steven Bergwijn had an open net. Like, it's, it's so frustrating. And then Son did the exact same thing. Well, I think we could have won 4 or 5-1 in the end. But... I think, I'm just happy yeah, we won. I think you got lucky with that uh, mistake that was made by Palacina. Um, I thought it was just an awful mistake. And after that, it seems like you guys knew you were going to win the game. It was going to be boring. I knew the game. I, I had a feeling the game was going to be really boring and hard to watch. But I, I figured Mourinho was going to find a way to win. Play with four strikers just to win that game. It was pretty end to end. Like, we had way more chances. As I said, like, I don't know why Kane tried lobbing, I think it was Martinez in goal, and not just going round him for that chance that Lucas Mora put him in. Because he had so much time. I think he just didn't realize how much time he had. Um, but I don't, I'm not complaining. We won. Um, they could have performed a little bit better, but. Under Mourinho, that's what you get, I'm afraid. Just park he, the bus and counterattack. He parks the bus and it works. 
Arsenal had 63% possession that game. The boss and he hits you on a counterattack. And with Sun and Mora, who are extremely fast, it's kind of a good system that he walked in. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird because that's what we tried to do at Manchester United, but it didn't work. Then Solskjaer came in and did the same exact thing, and it worked. It's, some, uh, it's kind of weird, though, isn't it? It worked. Like the second season, Mourinho was in charge of United. The only reason that he didn't win the title is because me and City had a beast of a season and got 100 points. I think United yeah. 93. Any other season, and you, you're basically going to win a trophy with 93 points. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think the problem happens that Mourinho can't keep the same players for more than two seasons, and then he wants transfers and he wants change. And mm-hmm. it seems like every team, third season in, is not willing to provide you that. So, and I think, I think what he – like the amount – he demands a lot from his players too, so they eventually end up getting burnt out. Like I feel like you're, you're not like – there's no in-between with Mourinho. You either like really like him or you die for him. You're just like, you know what, like, get out of my face. I can't play for you. Like, he just, like, he's just that, just, like, strong of a character and abrasive of a character. Because I don't – I feel like there are a lot of players, that like – I mean, not I feel like I know there are a lot of players of Man U that are just, like, ready for him to be gone. Like, a lot of players. Like, you you could just see, like, the interactions. It's like, yeah, like – and then whenever they get every – they give interviews. Like, I remember, like, Pogba saying, oh, I'm not allowed to say anything negative. Why? Well, I mean, I'm really always curious as to why that is. Because Mourinho is a proven winner. He has yeah. every country that he has been in. He's won, he's won with Chelsea. He has won with Madrid. He has won with Inter Milan. He has won with Porto. Like, a certain time, a certain point, is it the fact that these players just don't care about winning or do they want to play a certain style that's more beneficial to them? And I felt like that was the case with Pogba. I, I yeah, mean, possibly. I think, I think as a player, imagine like, I mean, we all play ourselves. Imagine turning up to a game and you're pumped about it. And then your manager being like, right, we're not going to attack. <laughs> we're just going to let them attack and have all the possession. And you're like, well... I can't show what I can do then. And you can see it in the, in the frustration on their faces. Like, I mean, Son hasn't been playing well lately, even though he got a goal the other day. But before Mourinho came in, like, he was unstoppable. Um, same with Lucas Moura. And Lucas Moura, I think, has only scored one goal under Mourinho because Mourinho is playing him more as a winger. Um, it's interesting, though, that he's managed all three of our teams. So we have three different perspectives. And obviously, he did the best at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, Well, he had two stints there, right? Yeah. Yeah, he he won in both, right? Yeah, he won in each time he was there. But I also think the players that work best with Mourinho are hard workers. William thrived under Mourinho at at Chelsea, his second stint. Drogba, who is a very hard worker, thrived under Mourinho. I think it's the fact that Mourinho needs certain players that are willing to put in work and not rely just on their talent. And I think why he freaking loves playing Sissoko. I think that's why he likes playing Sissoko. I think that's why he liked Nemanja Matic, you know, to get him from Porto. Did he buy him back from Porto to bring him back to Chelsea? Um, I think he just prefers players that are very 
hardworking over talented. And I, I don't, I don't get it, but I, he wins. And I think he will win a trophy with Spurs. But see, that's the thing though. It's just like, so he's not like flexible. So like, you see, like, there's a lot of like coaches out there. Like, they'll talk about like Ferguson, right? Like Sir Ferguson. And every different player had a different experience with him because he's like more about band management. He's just like, okay, like, if it was like, if the guy's like a, if the guy's like maybe more like a diva, he's not going to yell at them in the dressing room. He's going to be like, okay, hey, you should have done that. Like, okay, don't do that again. But if something like Roy Keane, he's going to like go at it because Roy Keane, if you like tell Roy Keane, like, hey, man, you probably shouldn't have done that. Like, soft spoken to him, Roy Keane's going to look at you like, what do you mean? Like, because Roy Keane can take it. But if he's, he's not going to go like Cristiano Ronaldo, like just like yelling at him because like he'll have a like, he'll have a negative response to that. And like, for, I think what it, with Mourinho is just like he has like just one way of interacting with players. And that's why it's just like, you see a lot of, like, like you said, like the players that he likes, they thrive because like it works for them. But players that aren't like that are just going to like not thrive because like what is going on? Like, why is he treating me like this? And then if you, and it just becomes divisive because just like, okay, I don't like being treated like this. And it just like ends up like, then he's like, okay, then that's when he's transfers because like, okay, these players aren't the kind of players I want. And then like three years later, it's like, okay, yeah, we're not going to get all these players that you want. So what are you going to do? Yeah, but there, I, I mean, and I'm not trying to be one of those people that says that the culture and people are not as, uh, they're a lot more soft now than they used to be if things want to the players, you know, and I, I generally wonder, is it because these young players are just kind of coming up and they're, or players that are just used to certain kind of treatment because of their talent and stardom that they can't handle that. You know, my Pogba comes to mind uh, usually, but Luke Shaw was criticized under Mourinho so much. And yeah. he actually came back and he, he busted his ass to prove Mourinho wrong. You know, and I feel like not a lot of players do that as much. Yeah, I mean, I think you made a good point because I don't know how many times I say to people, I don't get why Mourinho doesn't play and Dombele. He's the club's record signing. But everyone at Spurs has said that he's he doesn't train well. He He's lazy in training. He doesn't work hard. So, I mean, you've brought up a good point there. Like, everyone at Spurs has said that. Like, and Dombele, he can switch it on when he wants to. But I don't think that's what Mourinho wants. I think Mourinho wants you to sprints at every single ball even in training yeah um, and it's interesting what Roy Keane said about the Hugo Lloris and Son argument last weekend Roy Keane was he was like almost crying because he loved it so much and he's like <laughs> you know this is what's missing from football is players not giving each other a hard time um and like patting each other on the back too much if they make a mistake like you remember, we're all old enough to remember Roy Keane playing. If oh, you made man. a mistake, you're not getting away with it. Yeah. Marino would have loved Roy Keane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would have been his most favorite player on the pitch. <laughs> the weird thing is, he wasn't that good a footballer. He was just a great leader, and people showed up when they played with him. And he would, I mean, he'd go in for any challenge. And I see a lot of that with the players that Mourinho tries to bring in. So, like, he's going for, I've just read now, um, Zaniolo from Roma, 
who great player, but he's super aggressive. So he likes the kind of Eric Lamella kind of player that will almost get in fights every game, you know? I hate that. I, I cannot sure stand Lamella. Oh, oh. I don't even like Lamella, and I'm a Spurs fan. <laughs> uh, just aggressive, and but he goes for it with his whole heart for every single loose ball. He wants, fight, he wants fight. He wants fighters, like literally and and figuratively on his team. <laughs> yeah, it's the same as Lacelso against Arsenal. He was literally nudging the Arsenal players and like elbowing them when he got a chance, just to wind them up to make a mistake. Wow. And I think Mourinho likes that. He likes those dirty tactics. Yeah. Yeah, you show that you want to win to Mourinho, and you're rather knee-deer than it is hard. Yeah. It does worry me that, you know, Ryan Sessegnon has not played, I don't think I recall him playing under Mourinho once, Not definitely not since the restart. So, and yeah, he yeah. Was, again, again, like... Again, Mourinho's quite open. And I know that he's come out saying that Sessegnon just needs a couple of years. But I see Barcelona are after Sessegnon. Bayern Munich are after him as well. But I don't think Mourinho's going to let him go. I mean, that'd be kind of foolish to do that. He's And he's young, man. He's 20 years old. We've got, like, his only competition is Ben Davis. So... He just, I think he just needs a, a, a year or two out on loan somewhere. And it, I think that'll make him. Imagine how Sessignon feels right now, though. Like, he had that breakout season with Fulham. Then he joins Tottenham. He's all happy and everything. Yeah, I'm going to be playing. Then Moreno comes and is like, yeah, you're not ready. You're not playing. Like, <laughs> like imagine how he feels. Yeah. Well, from what I remember. That's true. But, I mean, he was, he, but he played, though. He did play. That is a that is a very valid point. He did come in as a sub and he played in uh, FA Cup games. But yeah, I don't think he started too many Premier League games. Yeah. Right. Well, he's probably. I think he kind of reminds me of Bale because like Bale was a defender, but I mean I don't remember Bale being that great of a defender, and he switched to midfield and just like absolutely like bloomed. And Sassion is like the way he's a left back, but like he's probably a better winger or just a left midfielder rather than a, rather than a defender like probably the same thing so and Mourinho is going to play you if your defense isn't on point especially if you're supposed to be a defender you're not going to like you're not going to see grass at all yeah yeah that's a valid point I think uh Sessegnon would be a really good fit for three in the back when you play with yeah him. yeah play him on the, the the left wing back role yeah um, I'm pretty good at that but he scored that goal against Bayern Munich in the Champions League Great goal. Straight See, on the volley. I don't know if you remember that. but Was that the same game that Byron put seven past you? or <laughs> <laughs> It might have been. It might have been. Wait, so are you, sorry, are you saying that Sassino is the new, uh, the new Danny Rose? He scored a great volley and then he's just going to, you know, just <laughs> waste <Right>. away. <laughs> I, I think Sessegnon can be a really great player. I just think he needs to go out on loan. Um mm. Because he was great in the championship for Fulham. But when Fulham got promoted, he didn't do much. Like, I think he only assisted twice. I think he scored one goal and it was a tap-in. Um, but then Fulham got relegated. Similar with the Norwich situation. Like, There's players on Norwich's team that I would take at Spurs any day. But for some reason, the team doesn't work. 
I, you look at their play, Max Ahrens, I think, is a great right back. I want him over Serge Aurier. I think Todd Cantwell is a great midfielder. We need someone like that. And I like Buendia as well. The little, I think he's Argentinian. Yeah. Midfielder. It's a fantastic player, but for some reason the team doesn't do so, something. There's one thing about there's one thing about teams and players like that. If you're on a team that isn't that good, but you're better than your teammates, you're gonna look really good. It doesn't mean that you're really good, it just means that you're better than your teammates. You know? So like they might join another team and they might not be as good as the teammate as their teammates right there, but they were shiny because they're better than their other teammates. So that's sometimes that's just what it is. They're not that good. They're just better than everybody around them. And it shows because they're, everybody else isn't up to their standard. So when they move to a better team, it's like, oh, wait, you're just not, you know. They're overshadowed. That is, that is true. But, you know, I think Cantwell, Cantwell I, I, the way that he played against some of these teams that have pretty good defense, I was really impressed. And his ability to switch the ball and – willingness to go back and get the ball and bring it from the back forward. You know, I, I think that's a great asset. And I would, I do think he would slot in most of the mid table teams. Yeah. Spurs, I think he would benefit them too. I mean, we're mid table at the moment, dude. Like there's nothing <laughs> special about the way we play. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's sad. Cause like, we should have won the league a couple of years ago against Leicester, but we slipped up against West Brom. Um, then Leicester went and won the league. And we, I mean, we came in second, third, and it's just been like a gradual decline. And now we're, we are a mid table team. I think I, I don't think there's a, there's a lot of quality other than Harry Kane, Son, Lucas. But as I said, like you need the team around you. And at the moment, our two main center backs are 30, Two and thirty-four, I think. Hey, but you're, you're above you're above Arsenal. Don't forget that. Yeah, but I mean that was a close <laughs> win. <laughs> I mean, I I think Spurs just need one or two solid midfielders and a center back that can partner well with you know Alderweire. I think you'll be okay for the next season. I think you will give a lot of people something to think about. But I, I do think the midfield is a big issue. So, and I, I think with a lot of teams, like I said, I think Manchester clubs are the only ones with good midfield that are the top six. Yeah, but dude, I agree with you. Um, you know, Manchester City are just scary with what they've got. Um, and speaking of Manchester City. Um, and the financial fair play Oh, stuff. my goodness. What a joke. What a oh, joke. Man. What? How do you even... I've seen so many memes. And since 2014, they've spent over a billion US dollars. Yeah, it's like... what? Like, it, it just takes the fun out of it, man. It's like... Like, how, like, how are you supposed to compete with that? It's like, they're pretty much just, like, buying everything. It's like, oh, just splash the money and then we'll win. It's like... But he, yeah. Even more of a slap in the face, as I saw today, that they're sorting out Pep Guardiola a new contract, and they're going to give him 150 million to bolster his squad. Oh Where are you going to bolster? Like maybe left back, like 
because Mendy's injury prone. Mendy's a fraud. Yeah, Mendy's a fraud. He's a fraud that gets paid now. He a World Cup winning forward. Yeah, well, he barely played in the World Cup. Like, did he even play in the World Cup? Oh, I saw a stat. He played 30 minutes or something like that. Yeah, exactly. He has all these medals, but has barely played any minutes. The dude is just going to be injured <laughs> for the season and uh, keep on getting paid and keep on winning trophies. Fraud. That dude is a fraud, man. <laughs> I mean, on the plus side, on the other side of the, of the field, I've got Kyle Walker, who I think is – Hmm. Probably the best, in my opinion, one of the best right backs in the league. He's so dangerous going forward. He's fast. Yeah, yeah. So quick. You just can't get away from him. The only player that I've seen get away from him is Adama Traore. Yeah, he's fast too. <laughs> <laughs> the only player I've seen make Kyle Walker look slow is Traore. I'd want to see a race between Kyle Walker, Traore, and Dan James. Yeah, I'd want to see that. I'd swap Dan James for Sam Maximan because I think that would be a better race. Really? Is he, is he, he's that fast too? Mm. That dude is rapid, man. Huh. Like, he, I think Traore will win. I, I don't know though because they're quick off the line but then Walker is so powerful that if you had a 100-meter race... I'd put my money on Walker coming back and winning it, but maybe the first 40 yards, Traore has most people. Yeah. Mm, it'll be interesting. It, it, it turns into the discussion of who you would take on your team. If you could swap one out for a quick attacking player, um, it's annoying because I don't think United need it at the moment. If... Who are you going to swap? Like all of your front three are in great form. I put well. So that's the thing. Like, so Greenwood is like not a finished product, but if it continue, if he continues to play, he'll definitely get better faster. But then if you bring in somebody else who's already like more of a finished product, I would say like because because media keeps on talking about if you bring in like Sancho, then and then have Greenwood come in for either like Rashford or Sancho in the second half, like that would be ridiculous. That'd be absolutely ridiculous, but if you're if you're either Sancho or Rashford, would you want to stay to play half forty five minutes or sixty minutes a game? Or Probably would want to stay, yeah. But I think he's only uh, Greenwood's only eighteen though, and he signed. Well, that's the thing. I would I would rather keep Greenwood honestly because I'm a I'm just like yo, if the kid is young and he's already like scoring goals with both feet, like, and it's like placing it too. Both feet just like equally powerful, placing it just like wherever he wants to. Dude, keep on playing it, man. Don't bring anybody else. It's like like you would like you had said earlier, Brad, it's like work on the defense. Like just bring in a couple more defenders and then we're set, honestly. I think, I think Greenwood does need competition, but he needs you know, I think it needs to be a healthy competition, not someone that is just as young and just as talented as you. And then you're basically going to play second fiddle to him if you, for foreseeable future, if you don't think you can surpass him. But bringing yeah. in 27, 28 in that, in that role, I think that will create a better 
competition for Greenwood as to, I want to play now, and I'd rather, you know, play now and have this guy be my backup than wait for him to retire and then have someone else come in. Only, you know, I've never played professional soccer, but that would be <laughs> um, yeah, well, bring Bring Sanchez back? <laughs> yeah. But if you're Man City, though, right, you lost Sané, and you basically need to fill in that Mendy role. Who else would you bring in? I mean, your offense, you still have one of the best strikers in the world, in Aguero. Yeah. Now, you have Gabriel Jesus, who is really good. You have Stahl in midfield, even though David Silva is retiring, but Phil Foden is coming in to fill in that role. If you're Man City and you have 150 million, who are you going to buy? Messi. Defense. Or somebody like that. I think Pep knows that his defense, and I think Oli is going to do the exact same thing. Pep is probably going to bring in Koulibaly from Napoli um, to partner with Emmerich Laporte. And he wants to bring in a left back because Jao Cancelo on the right has been a bit of a flop. Um, so I think he'll probably bring in a left and right back, to be honest, to challenge Kyle Walker more than Cancelo has. And vice versa on the other side with Mendy. Mendy has Zinchenko. He's a good player, but he's the left side is their weak side. I just read, so I saw a quote from Koulibaly saying like, oh, yeah, it's great to be linked to all these clubs, but he's like playing the same in Napoli. I don't think, I don't think Koulibaly is going anywhere. According I think to that quote. It, this is where management comes in. And I think someone like Pep can so easily convince someone to come. Like we were saying earlier, even if it's for half a game, I think he can – this is why he's so successful, is he can paint the bigger picture for the player. And he can say, but think about this. You'll help us win the Champions League because that's their number one goal right now. We'll win the Premier League again. Uh, squad rotation is key, and we need you in that squad rotation. I think he's the master at making people feel settled even when they're not playing as much as they are. Uh, Leroy Sane being the exception. Yeah. Uh, but he was apparently very difficult to work with, so I've heard. Um, this might be an unpopular opinion, but has Pep ever made any defender great? So if you're a defender and you're not a finished product, would you want to play for Pep? Like John Stones was probably one of the hottest commodities in the market and teams wanted him regardless of which team I think he was being looked at by Madrid at a certain point you know he had a lot of potential he did really well and then he goes to City to play for Pep and he's not as good you know I totally forgot about him actually like <laughs> yeah exactly. you haven't heard about him Laporte Laporte was fantastic in Spain and I think he was more of a finished product than John Stone's and he's doing pretty well currently, you know, and, but it's just, I'm just wondering, has Pep, even in his glory days in Barcelona, has he ever made a defender so good that any young defender would be one like, oh, I want to play for Pep? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I know that City at the moment have got that Eric Garcia, who is young and Definitely has mistakes in him. I just, it's a good point. I don't, 
I mean, he, he, he has it so spot on with Phil Foden to the point he's saying for the last two seasons, like, no, we're not going to send him out on loan. He's ready, but he just needs to be humbled. And he's showing up. And I think, I don't think they will recruit another midfielder because they have that David Silva replacement. Um, but to your point, I don't think there is a young defender that has been solely Pep's product. Mm. It's, it's a good question. Maybe there is, and I'm not thinking of one, but I can't think there is one. For the next podcast, because I, you know, Pujo was already established. PK was fairly established. Um, maybe I'm wrong about PK because he was at United and didn't break through. Then he got sold to Barcelona, but... Well, he was, start, he was starting a bit before he went back to Barcelona. Was he? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious, but it's something, you know, might be worth researching, looking into if Pep made any great defenders. And if that's the case... If you're a young defender wanted to play, why would you want to come to the city? You're going to win trophies, but are you really going to get better? You know, and I think that's the case with all of these young players, which is why I think there's so much desire to go to Germany because they get opportunity in Germany. To oh, yeah. And, and Italy, too. Ole Aina that plays in Torino that Chelsea just sold. He's, yeah, he's doing well. He's doing really well, killing it. And look at Salah, man. Yeah. Got it at Chelsea, went to Roma, and now look at him. Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, I mean, that's German. Yeah, again, like the German and Italian leagues, they really do take in youngsters and and, and make them. Yeah, must yeah. Which is what I'm hoping England will become too. Because at a certain point, I mean, I regarding this Man City, you know, ruling you know, that might change, but that's very important. You just kind of want to stick with the talent. Otherwise, you're just always going to go over that financial fair play. But if there is no repercussions, then, hey, why not? If yeah. you're a millionaire, splash that cash. I would. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like, in, it's just like in baseball. Baseball has the um, – like they have the salary cap or whatever – but you can go with a salary cap and just pay a fine. And that's basically what City did. It's like, oh, yeah, I would have spent the money in. Oh, there's a fine. All right, yeah, here you go. And that's pretty much what they just did. Yeah, it was like a 10 million euro fine, I think, which for them, I, I actually read something earlier on that the owner of Man City, he makes so much money a minute that at 9 a.m., if they got the 10 million euro fine, by 11 a.m., he could have paid it off. That's how much money he makes. It's ridiculous. That's crazy kind of money. Yeah. I cannot even conceptualize it. That's insane. It's kind of like talking about a freaking Big Bang. Like, I cannot even understand what happened there. Like, 10 million in two hours. I just need to make that much for, like, just one, two hours. Like, I just need two hours. I never have to make that much again in my life. Yeah. Why you as a Chelsea recruiter work your way up to get on the Abramovich yacht? Well, I mean, that, you know, the the ruling I do think is, I think it's really odd and I'm disappointed by it because 
smaller clubs, I feel like the financial fair play is designed to help the smaller clubs. And at this point, you know, is it really going to help any of the smaller clubs if it's not being enforced? Yeah. What did you guys think about the uh, disallowed goal by Sacco? Oh, mate, it brings up VAR in general. What do you guys think about VAR right now? It's, there's been so many mistakes and not just like me being biased saying, oh, there's been so many mistakes. They've genuinely come out saying we made yeah. mistakes in all three of the games today kind of thing. Like, that's I ridiculous. I like I will repeat this and repeat this and repeat this. I believe that there's a bunch of people in England that don't want VR to work because it works so well in Australia, it works so well in Germany, it works so well in other countries, but all of a sudden when it comes to England, it's just like, oh, we don't know what we're doing. Like, how does this work? Like, dude, you could just like copy their homework, man. Just look at what they're doing, copy it verbatim, and it will totally work. Like, yeah. how can it work in a whole bunch of other countries and not work in one? That doesn't, that doesn't add up. I would say somebody's purposefully sabotaging it. That's, that's right now, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. I don't get it at all, man. Like, I, I look at what they do in Australia, where, like, you can hear the, you can hear the ref speaking to the officials on, like, the loudspeaker. And the officials are just like, the ref will be like, was that a penalty? Nope. Okay, get on the game. But here in England, it's like, it takes five minutes for them to look at the tiniest of angles. Like the Bruno Fernandez penalty was oh, one of the dude. worst ones I've seen. That was horrible. I mean, I'm a Manchester United fan. And like, dude, like, he stepped on his leg. Like, if you step on somebody, whether you meant to or not, it should be a card. Like, that's end of story. You can't step on people at all because it's dangerous. It doesn't matter if you want to or not. It's dangerous. You should be carded. That's it. And he got a penalty. It's like, I don't know, like, I, you can't even defend it at all. I, I can't defend that. I made, a, I made a comment, it was a joke, but kind of mean it, that the best signing United has, have had this season. And I think it is absolutely true. You guys have got away with so much. Like the, the Maguire red card, I'm still not over it. It happened like... Well, when, he kicked it, when he kicked it in the balls? Yeah. Oh. Protecting himself so the guy doesn't fall on him. Kid, you're kidding. <laughs> that was I, bad. I can't get over how bad the VAR has been. And it, there have been good moments. It hasn't been all bad. But I, I wish that there it was not that subjective as to what constitutes a penalty kick. You know, yeah. Bruno Fernandez, right? It's like, oh, did the defender touch him? Absolutely. Did Bruno Fernandez do a spin on the ball and then step on a defender and then trip because he stepped on the defender? Sure. Is there really any room for subjectivity of that matter? I think that's, that's what I'm struggling to understand. Because oh, yeah. it seems like Harry Kane, I'm sorry, uh, son, kicks a Chelsea player in the balls and it's a red card. Maguire does it two weeks later and it's not. And it's just, there's no, there's no objectivity, it seems like. It's very subjective based on yeah. experience. And it should yeah. I don't think it should be. That's it. There's just no consistency. It, it's the same. I'll take it back a couple of weeks to the Sheffield United-Tottenham incident. Um, oh, yeah. That was ridiculous, too. 
But like Lucas Moura gets fouled, hits off his hand, Kane goes on to score. Goal gets disallowed. Fine, it gets disallowed. What I don't get then is why it doesn't get brought back for the free kick. Because a week later, the same thing happened. I can't remember what game it was. The exact same situation. And the ref brought it back for the free kick. So there's no... right. That's what should have been done. Yeah. And it just... And I feel bad for Sheffield United when the um, when the goal decision goal line decision system didn't work, and they scored that goal. VR yeah. should be looking at that immediately, saying, "Ref, that went in. Ref stops the game. One nil, kick off." Yeah. But I agree, like with the. It's too. Mourinho said, "It's more like the referee on the field is the assistant referee." And the, and the VAR team are the actual referees, whereas it should be the complete opposite. Um, I disagree with that. I disagree with that because I feel like the assistant video assistant referee is there just in case it was a clear and obvious mistake by the referee. And I, I don't know how, as a video assistant referee, can you really see if it's a clear and obvious mistake in some of those instances like Lucas Mora um, what happened with Lucas Moore. And at that yeah. point, though, I think it's, it would be better if the video, video assistant referee was actually the real referee rather than, oh, it wasn't that clear and obvious mistake by the main referee, and that's why we're not going to overturn it. Harry Kane, yeah. Harry Kane incident, just a PK against Arsenal, right? The referee was standing there looking at it. If you're a video assistant referee... How can you think that a referee is actually looking at that and not making a clear and obvious mistake? Do you really want to overturn the main referee's decision and then the conversation becomes, well, the referee on the field is an assistant referee? I think, I think Mourinho did more damage with that comment than actually good. I think, I think both of them should be on the same level, though. Like, you don't say that one is an assistant. It's like... And the, like, the whole, like, the language of just like, oh, it has to be a clear and obvious error. So just like, okay, if the referee made an error, but it's not clear and it's not obvious there was an error, then it still stands. So it's just like, and that's also subjective too. Like, okay, what's a clear and obvious error? So the ref can make an error, but if it's not clear it was an error, then, oh, it's fine. This is why the Australia uh, example is great. Because if, if we had actually a video feed, the video system referee was like, well, did you see the push and Harry came from behind? Yeah, and if, and if the referee in the field said, "Yeah, I saw it," but I also saw that he hit Alderweireld's leg, that's why I'm not going to give it a penalty. Then I would be like, "Well, that's tough break, but I understand their reasoning behind it." Exactly. Now you don't know what's going on, and I think that com- communication needs to be made public. I really do. I I think big time. That will help. You know, even in Germany, like. The ref would stop the game if there was a decision that needs to be made, and I, I just don't know why they don't do that in the Premier League. Like, if, if the the Sheffield United goal is a perfect example, like it's a goal, VAR would have seen that literally immediately. At that point, he needs to tell the ref to stop the game. It's a goal. Yeah. The the, the technology just, failed. It's a goal. Get on with it. Or you can just say you can just say, hey, check check. Hey, it looked like it went in. Let me look at it again. Like, take a break. And then 
Like he's gonna like look at it. Oh yeah, it was a goal. I mean, also, but the more we talk about like, I feel like there's also just like this like fight to keep football just like traditional. There's not a lot of stops, you know. So it's like if you want to have that, so like in that situation, it's like the game would have to stop. You don't want to have to add additional stops. And I think that's also probably part of their, just the resistance of just like giving the the VAR more power because if they give them more power, then they can stop the game at any point in time. And be like, oh, I saw this. Let's check it. Oh, I saw this. Let's check it. Then people start getting mad because like, oh, football's supposed to be free flowing. You only stop for actual fouls. You don't stop to like just like check the game. You know, they turn to like something else. But if there's communication, like if there is a serious foul, serious play that happens, such as Lucas Moore falling and hitting the ball on hand, and yeah. they are then needs to request that the referee on the field check the monitor to see what the call is. Because if he disagrees with him, right, if he thinks that he has better view and he disagrees with him, then he can be like, you should probably check the monitor. I don't necessarily agree with this decision. He checks the monitor, and then he can choose whether or not what's it going to be. Because at this mm. point, what's happening is the blame is being shifted, and you actually don't know who to blame. Because True. we don't know what's happening. You don't know what the communication is. We don't know, you know, if what the referee is saying to the VR, assist, the video assistant referee. So I think the blame is just being shifted, and we don't know where to point our anger. And we're just blaming we are and I don't think that they're necessarily the ones to blame per se because at a certain point the referee has the ability and authority to go to the sidelines and check the monitor and he doesn't mm-hmm. and I don't understand why not I agree I don't know what even like more. dude forget forget the monitor man throw it up on the big screen like throw it up on the big screen show all the angles and talk through the angles and then, like, okay, let's hear what you have to say. And then, like, we'll understand. Like, it's just like, it's like almost like they're hiding behind this, like, screen of just like, oh, whose fault is it? I don't know. Is it VAR or is it a match official? You know, blame whoever you want to blame, but we don't know whose it is. It's like, let's hear what they're saying. Let's see what they're looking at, how they came to their decision. And then, like, okay, all right, yeah, maybe it didn't come to the decision that, that we would like. But if there's an explanation, it's like, okay, all right, I get it. My fear, my fear is that this season is ending so late that the new season is starting in month and nothing is going to be changed about VAR. Nothing. Yeah. And we're going to be in the same boat as we were this year and so much frustration and anger is going to happen because these referees, the video assistant referee, I don't know if things are different when you're looking at it from that point of view versus when you're in a field. But it doesn't seem like they're very trained at it. And I'm just, it's very subjective. And the subjectivity is not very well communicated. And it makes me think that there is some foul play happening, even when there isn't. I mean, as a Manchester United fan, you see 24 penalties. Have you had this year? Sure. Have they been good enough to get 24 penalties this season? I don't. It, scares, it scares me. It scares me because remember when like Juventus got caught for like match fixing and all that, and they got relegated. Like for me, that's becoming a fear. Like, like is my club cheating, and are we gonna get caught and then get like absolutely punished? Like I don't know like how I would deal with that. Like it is legit. Like I mean, we've had a lot of legitimate penalties. I will say that, but also at the same time, it's like you look at 
24, 25, and the next person next to you is like in like I think it was like thirteen or something like that. It's like that's it, man. It's just, uh, <laughs> like, it, it it just it just looks shady. Like there's no it just like it just looks shady. Especially considering like United are good, right? But are they any better than City and Liverpool have not nearly as many penalties? And to me that's that's just like Okay, City is probably the best team. Uh, Liverpool is the best team in the world, and they don't nearly have as many penalties. And I know it's a style of play that comes into that, but at the same yeah. time, United, while they are direct and have been quite more direct this year than any other years, 24 penalties seems exuberant amount. So I don't, I'm hoping there's no foul play happening. And I, Same here, man. I, I hope it's been just mistakes. I mean, yeah, we. This is another subject that we could go on about all day. Just we can keep talking about VAR. I'm sure we will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. That, yeah. I'm sure this time next week we'll be talking about another decision that's gone against someone. But I wanted to walk you boys through. So I've I've done like a, a dream team for, oh, for this week's games. So. We can change him out, but Nick Pope in goal because he had an amazing game for Burnley. Yeah, I agree with that. Really kept Burnley in that game, and they got a draw at Anfield, which ended Liverpool's win streak at home. So we all we all enjoy that. Yeah. Then um, up front, this was the most obvious one. Sterling got a hat-trick. McGoldrick two goals, and I think may have got the assist, and Antonio got four goals. Yeah, yeah there's no way he's not getting in. <laughs> yeah, the attackers are... Uh, there's, there's no question there. It's more the midfield and the defence I wanted to talk about. You think uh, Maga- you want to put McGaldrick up there instead of Dominique Solanke? I think so. I, McGoldrick had. I was watching McGoldrick all game, and he just bossed the Chelsea back line. So I think he deserves it. Whereas Solanke. That's not saying much when you boss a Chelsea back line, but I agree. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good. I honestly, I just thought, uh, I mean, Leicester is, regardless of the form that they're in. They're still a hard team to score four against. And I was surprised by Burnmouth that they were able to do that. Yeah, I, mean, I, tried, I, I was surprised men, by the though. score. Leicester did go down to 10 men and then they got sloppy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the only reason I think McGoldrick just edges it. That's fair. Um, I think Osborne in midfield, he had a fantastic game against Chelsea. Um, he really was everywhere. Um Rodri is probably the one that I would be I think we could swap if we found someone else. And then Neves had an incredible game for Wolves. So I think he deserves to be there. So who would you guys swap? Um, I'm okay with Rodri. The other suggestion I had Steve was uh Armstrong from today's game. Okay. Um I know United didn't really show up to play, but you know he was there to keep him in check and he got a goal so yeah I'm okay, yeah. I'm okay with keeping Roger in we can put Armstrong on the bench <laughs> that works 
And then, yeah, the, and the other one was Osborne. And I, you know, he didn't do anything notable, but I just think he, he was everywhere and he made the right passes and the right decisions, which, you know, you might look at it and think it was a, you know, he played safe, he played boring. Chelsea didn't even get a look in at the goal because of players like him. So I think that he deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. And then in defense, Diego Rico, who I agree with now, I completely forgot about him. Uh, Chris Basham from Sheffield United. Um, Toby Alderweireld and Kyle Walker on the right. I think Walker had a great game. Again, City kind of didn't have a challenge. 5-0, busted. And it starts again with tomorrow's game, Chelsea v Norwich. Oh, boy. Norwich about to get spanked. I don't I, know, man. So. I think I they're located. I think they're going to come and prove a point. See, I watched... Who did Norwich play last week? Um, who did they play? Oh, um, who was it? It's who relegated. Villa. No, it was... Shoot. It was um, West Ham. West they, Ham. like... Yeah. They didn't have anything. Like, West Ham was just absolutely just giving it to them. Like, West Ham was just, like... After they scored, like, the third or fourth goal, West Ham was just, like... All right, we're just gonna like pass the ball around the box, and you know when we feel like it, we'll score. Like after the third goal, that's what it looked like. You know, it's like we're just gonna like fool around the ball, and you know when we feel like it, we'll, maybe we'll give it back to you. That's seriously what that's the, that was like. Yeah. That's what it looked like. And Chelsea right now, Chelsea like knows like with like Chelsea has so much motivation to win right now because like that fire is lit. Because like we just get match tonight, we just gave them a chance to stay in top four by tying. So they're not going to, like, just sit back and, like, let that opportunity go. I do they're... think that Chelsea will have too much for Norwich. Yeah. Um, but I think it'll be – I wouldn't be surprised if Norwich got a goal. So I think it's going to be about 3-1 to Chelsea. I think as, long as, as long as Tammy Abraham doesn't start because his finishing was absolutely woeful in that last game. Oh, my God. I have – I don't <laughs> – I, I was trying to avoid talking about Chelsea because I have so much. I don't understand that. If I was Tammy Abraham and I knew a striker that was good is coming to challenge me for my spot and I want a bigger contract, why would I not do everything I possibly can to win? His runs weren't that good. He was just not Good. He was not a starter for a top four team. No. I have never. Like, I know he had an injury, but come on, man. It's like, get your fucking head in a game. I hate seeing his post on Instagram. Time to play some freaking Call of Duty, boys. Work on your finishing ass, wife. Go <laughs> do what you can do in FIFA. Like, I'd rather you. God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. It's like I he does not want to play. And I think at this point Chelsea has to think about getting another striker. You, well, you don't want you don't want Giroud and Werner or Werner or Timo? Giroud is too old. I think Giroud is what, thirty-three? I don't know how much longer Giroud can play ninety minutes at a top performance level. True. I mean you got Werner coming in and I think he will light it up. Yeah. I think so, too. I, I honestly think he will do great. But I really wanted Tammy Abraham to succeed. For crying out loud, I have his jersey on. Nah. 
<laughs> this crap. So, you know, just to support him. And he's not delivering. He's not delivering as someone. The way that he plays is not telling me I want a starting spot on the team. It's more like I'm okay playing a second fiddle. Yeah. He is right now. He is playing a second fiddle. Pulisic was off of that game, too. I think Lampard got it wrong. I think they were too. The team was tired, and I think Lampard got it wrong. I, do, I mean, Sheffield are an easy team to underestimate because just two weeks earlier, Mourinho did the exact same thing, and Sheffield came and just wiped the floor with us, and they did the same thing to Chelsea. They're um, so organized. Chelsea moves the ball from right to left, and you know what happens? The entire team shifts. The entire team shifts, and it's not very unorganized shift where you leave holes. Chelsea could not break through, and it sucks. This is how bad we play in midfield, that Barkley was our best player. <laughs> Barkley. He, was, he was still shit. He was Barkley. <laughs> He was still god awful, but he was our best midfielder. To me, that was just mind blowing. We we miss the energy of Conte in there. We don't have anyone that that's able. We don't have Fernandez that's able to get the ball and penetrate the deep. Like not a single midfielder on our team does that, and it sucks. I'm I'm heartbroken about it. I want I want Mason Mount to succeed so bad. I want Ruben Loftus Cheek to succeed, but they're just not doing it. Even though Mason Mount is probably going to get a starting spot because he deserves it, he's becoming more of a box to box player. You know, we don't have anyone to penetrate the mid- the defense. I, I don't know. Well, I I think I I think we need Kai Havertz. I really do. Yeah, he's an exceptional player. I mean, yeah. you have Ziyech coming, but I agree. If you could get Havertz as well, you just – that'd be scary. If we can't play – if we don't get into – if we don't get top four, the Champions League spot, the premise of us getting him, I think, just drops. Because I'm sure he wants to play Champions League football. I think I think you're gonna I think you're gonna stay in top four because like I mean you have to drop two spots to to drop out of it you're in third, so. Our goal compared to Manchester United is off by. Oh yeah, your goal difference. Your goal difference. Well, no, because you have just as many goals, but your defense has been awful, so your goal difference isn't great. But Leicester Leicester City has to play us, and have to play Tottenham, so that's. A good possibility of two losses for Leicester City. We have to play Liverpool and Wolverhampton. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's going to be a toss-up. Our schedule is, our schedule is shit. Mm. And I knew, I knew that we were gonna. I, I just have a feeling we're gonna lose to Liverpool. I just have that feeling. Liverpool wants to get to that hundred-point mark. They want to beat City. But we're not gonna drop any more points. I will, say, but they just tied Burnley though. Burnley, Burnley is one of those annoying teams to play. Like freaking, they are. They're so compact and organized that you cannot break down that. You need a moment of brilliance to break that defense. And I don't think Liverpool had it in them that day. None of their players had that moment of brilliance to beat it, to beat the team. But at the same time, though, it's just. You don't need moment of brilliance to get past Chelsea's defense, that's for sure. 
All you need, <laughs> all you need is like a thirty-yard shot, and more than likely, if it's on fucking target, it's gonna go in because Kepler's not stopping shit. Like oh, he's so <laughs> bad. He's so bad. You can see goals. Like uh, any team, and this is the crazy part. If I was Chelsea, and I saw how easy other teams can score against us by taking shots from outside the box. Why? Why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't Mason oh, yeah. just rip one? Not Barkley. I've seen plenty of that asshole shoot. And anyway, <laughs> I hate him. We need to have like top ten most hated players. <laughs> needs to be our. Doesn't need to be our list. That we're just gonna have the top ten most hated players, and I'm just gonna fill it with Barkley. Larry Comella is probably the other one. Harry Maguire. I hate them all equally. I, I, I have that too with Harry Winks. When Harry Winks shoots from outside the box, I'm like, why did you might as well have passed it back to Lloris and start again because yeah. I've never seen that man take one decent shot his whole career. Why does he play center mid? I don't understand as a professional footballer how you can't shoot. I don't get it. I like. It's one of those rare occasions when you watch the game and it's a little bit of like your ego talking, but there's been situations Winks has been in where I've been like, I could have done better than that. I could have at least got it on target. Like he'll blast it over the bar or go to the corner flag with no pressure. And how as a professional player, like, can you be like that? I wouldn't want anyone in my team that can't shoot. Even the defenders. Well, it's even worse when a team doesn't take a shot. Like, I watched Manchester United. I don't know that you guys won 3 nothing. Who was it that you played? Um, it was a week ago. When Pogba just scored that outside of the outside of 18-yard box. And I was like, you know what? Chelsea has quality to take those shots. Mason Mount has a good shot. He takes free kicks. He has a decent shot. Kovacic has a decent shot. Conte can shoot. Like, we have people that can shoot from the outside the box, and we don't do it. We do, they have the, do they have the space to shoot, though? That's the, that's the thing. Do they have the space to shoot? All you got to – I mean, you got to create space, whether you had the space or not, right? It's, yeah. it's just a one-two, and then you take a shot, and the ball might ricochet off a defender and go in the goal or, uh, or go in the, for the corner. It's like if I was Lampard, I would demand at least three shots from outside the box per game. You know, don't rush it. Just take three shots. I would tell my midfield, take three shots. You know, because if you don't do it, it's just it's a wasted opportunity. And I I don't understand why teams don't shoot from outside the box more. Uh, what's the difference, What's the difference if you rip it from 18 yards or 22 yards, or if you Pass it to the side, and they cross it, and you have three people in the box compared to the team, other team's six. Like, what's the difference with that? Like, I don't get it. I really don't get it. We don't get forward enough to have, like, multiple players in a, in a box. Uh, Brato, I'll, give, I'll just give you a little bit of positive news, though. Like, there's reports. Who knows how, like, accurate they are, but they're saying that Chelsea is probably going to try and sign Dean Henderson. We signed a goalkeeper already, so it probably won't happen. 
Wait, that uh, was the Moroccan kid or whatever? Or? Turkish guy. <laughs> oh, the Turkish guy? Yeah. He's 24, and he was doing pretty well in uh, 2004 or wherever he was playing. So I don't, I don't know why they would get Dean Henderson if they already have a 24-year-old in there, unless we're going to get rid of Kepa and then buy that's, that's what it, That's what it said. It's like it depends on getting a buyer for Kepa. Because, I mean, you just, like, spend, like, what, 70, 75 million on Kepa? Like, you have to make some of that money back. Like, you're not going to have a keeper that you spent that much money on sitting on the bench. Like, he's eating up a whole bunch of just, like, money just sitting there. Yeah, I, I've said it from the very beginning. The first time I saw Kepa play, I was well excited to see him play because I thought, wow, a goalie that's worth 75 mil, I think you paid for him. The yeah. first game, he made that mistake. I think it was against Jamie Vardy where Kepa tried like Cruyff turning him. Vardy just pushed him off the ball and scored. And I was like, okay, let's see how else, how well he does. Yeah. And the whole game, I was like, he hasn't done one thing that's impressed me. And it's yes. been that way ever since. I just, I just don't think he's good. I don't, I don't think he's championship quality even. See, I, I thought it was going to be like David De Gea because David De Gea started out rough. Like, he started really rough. But then he, like, he adapted to the Premier League. Like, okay, Premier League is physical. And, like, hey, you have to command the box. Like, if there's crosses, you got to be up there. You can't just, like, wait for the ball to come in, like, drop in the box. Like, that was one of his biggest weaknesses. But, like, he grew into it. Like, he started commanding. Like, he still doesn't command the box. But he's better at it, though. And, like, he kind of grew into it, like, after a year or two. But, like, Kepa has not really shown that, like, oh, I'm adjusted to the league. And yeah, I'm worth like seventy-five million. He has not grown into it at all. Like it's go to PSG. PSG would be the ideal place for Kepa because he thinks <laughs> he's good, and they don't concede that many goals because they play in a league that the level is not the same. Yeah, like, he, he did really well in Spain too, and I I just don't understand why. I mean, his biggest weakness is set pieces, and you know, he's not very good at it. He needs to get better. But if I was United, I wouldn't sell Dean Henderson. Why would I sell No, him? I wouldn't. No, definitely not. And if I was going to an English rival like Chelsea, I wouldn't sell nah. him less than $90, $95 million. But, like, we're in a tough spot, though, because, like, it's just like, okay, do you just, like, just, you know, say to De Gea, like, you know what, that's it, you're done. Like, I mean, he's not been doing all these past two seasons. He's been kind of like, eh. But then when you have Sergio Romero, who's our second-choice goalkeeper, I would not want his first-choice goalkeeper. I don't think he's good enough to be first-choice. Then do you sign Dean Henderson, who's definitely not – he's good. I don't think he's, like, first-choice Manchester United material yet, but he will be. But it's like, how do you, like, juggle all those three goalkeepers right there? Like, I think Dean Henderson is better than De Gea. And uh, I think De Gea is a better shot blocker, but overall – think Dean Henderson is better, and especially his distribution of the ball. I mean, that kid can kick the ball, I'm pretty sure, 85, 90 yards. When you have fast players like Greenwood or uh, Rashford. Rashford, I think he would just be significantly uh, better fit for United than De Gea is. De Gea is going to stop like the craziest and most unstoppable shots ever. But he's also going to let in some of the easiest shots that you probably should Well, say. he has. Yeah, and he's done that so many times. It's kind of MO. It's like, I'm going to make some crazy leg saves, and I'm going to do a drop kick to stop the ball going into the top bin. But 
I'm just going to let this one go through my legs this once. So I think if I was United, I would, I would sell the hair and keep Dean Henderson. I think he has developed into one of the best goalkeepers. And if I was Chelsea, I'd buy Pope. That's who I would buy. Ooh, Nick Pope. Yeah. Yeah. Quality player. And I think we can buy him. I think Burnley is a mid-table team, and I think he would want to come and play possibly and improve. I mean, who wouldn't want to be coached by Peter Cech, you know? He, he definitely would because he's also chasing the England number one spot. Like he's going to want to yeah. be in the top six. And he's gonna, I don't think he can be in England number one playing for Burnley. I, I, I think that might be a bit of a challenge to do. You say that, but then you our number one at the moment is Pickford. <laughs> That's true. Small, small arm Pickford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So what's your... Uh, What's your score predictions for tomorrow, Chelsea Norwich? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say four one. Four one. Steve? Um three nothing. Three nothing. So I think three one. Chelsea. Three one Chelsea. And I think Pulisic will get two. I don't think he'll start. I think he will. I'll be amazed if he starts with uh, with United game looming. Oh, the FA Cup. Was it? Was it? Was the semifinal again? It's coming up soon, isn't it? This weekend, I thought. Oh boy, that'd be a good game. Yeah, July. I'm I'm scared of that game, man, because I don't know. I don't know if Ollie's gonna start like second string. And then we just end up losing because we're going second string and like Pereira and Lingard are just both trash when it comes to creating in the midfield. But I don't know. We'll see, I guess. <clears throat> because I'm really excited. I really don't think United should have beat us twice this season. I think United got very lucky both games. By scoring um, four goals the first one? Well, if I remember correctly, there was like a bar incident like it was like one of the very first game and there was that kind of <laughs> incident uh, <laughs> that cost us a goal um so i i think i think this i think i'm really excited for it i think we will in- eliminate united i don't think lampard, i'm thinking so too actually i don't think lampard is going to lose to united three games in a row but i don't, no, I don't, no. I don't, I don't think the chelsea defense can handle the united attack if Oli starts his strongest 11. Well, you know, actually, no, no. I take it back. We can actually beat Chelsea even with, even with second string. So, I think, like, so right now, starting 11 has, like, Matic and Pogba as the holding midfielders. So, they're, like, um, deep-line midfielders who are playmakers. But then McTominay and Fred are also deep-line midfielders, but not as good playmakers. They're more, like, harassing. Just, like, well, you got the ball. I will harass you until I follow you or until I get the ball. I'll make your life difficult. And then you have somebody up top, like maybe he plays Fernandez for a bit, or maybe he plays like, hopefully not Pereira, because that would be horrible. But maybe he plays like Mata. Um, yeah, like maybe like Mata and Lingard, right? Like they have both, Mata's really good. He just like, he needs somebody to play off of. If he doesn't have anybody's like play his style of play, he's not as effective. 
but if you have like Mata and Lingard, maybe he can do something. But we'll be fine defensively just because our whole David Fielders would just like harass people. And if like Chelsea isn't isn't like creating anything, then we're fine. And then we just need like I don't know a Dan James counterattack to score. I think if Chelsea has Conte, Kovacic, and uh, Mount in the middle, uh, we're talking about a completely different game in midfield. Mm. The last time, still injured, man. I thought last time we played you guys, I think that Conte didn't even play the first game, did he? Against you guys, he might have been. I don't. I don't think so. But I think that's been our weakness: is that we don't have that energy in a midfield other than Mount, who actually pushes up significantly higher to press for the ball to cover for the slowliness of Abraham and Giroud that it leaves the midfield slightly exposed. And I think with Conte in there, we'll be able to overcompensate for that. Yeah. I think if Conte plays, if Conte plays, I think Chelsea is going to win fine. Um, but if he's, Conte, he's a difference maker. I, I think if Conte doesn't play, you're right. Your midfield will be able to distribute and play the ball any way that you want to. But with Conte playing, uh, both Fernandez and Pogba are going to be under pressure from Kovacic, who is, I think, one of the most improved players this season by a mile. Underrated. Absolutely. I hated him last year. When Chelsea signed him from Madrid, I was like, why are you spending 30 millions on it? I was wrong. I was so wrong. I was not impressed with him the first season he was on loan. But my goodness, under Lampard. And what I love about him, what he does that, so far, no one else does other than Ruben Loftus-Cheek, but his not match fit yet, really, is that he takes the ball and then he drives it forward. And I don't think any of our midfields do that. Barkley gets the ball, and I don't think the guy can pass more than 25 yards. He just side passes. He side passes or it's like just passes it five feet in front of him. <laughs> I do, I do hope, I hope Loftus-Cheek gets a start. I would like to see Loftus Cheek get a start tomorrow. I think he needs it against that Norwich uh, team. Yeah, he could be next level amazing if they. I don't think they know his best position yet. I was. I always said put him as a striker. I always said put him or Marcos Alonso as a striker. Alonso is being wasted being on a bench. If I had a choice between Alonso or Bacuai, who to put as a striker. Alonzo, every single day. Oh, yeah, he can finish. Yeah. He's a, li- he's a liability in defense. So, just like. If he plays forward, though, that liability is gone. Yeah. It's, it's another bail. Just like, why is he a defender? It's like, dude can finish. So. What I love about Lotus-Cheek is his hold-up play is on par with Antonio, I think. He is so strong and it's so hard to get. Yeah. Oh, dude. Antonio is just a different beast. Yeah, he bullied that Chelsea defense so bad. I felt bad for him. <laughs> Me too. I, I, was, him. I am glad I'm not playing against him. He was, he was so strong, so quick. Rudiger is a World Cup defender. Like he played for Germany and won World Cup, and he he got pushed around. <laughs> he hasn't started since that game. Here's a and question, I- lads. Who are your Top five players in the world. Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. I would say Messi, 
I would say Cristiano Ronaldo, Lucas, uh, not Lucas, but Lewandowski. Yeah. Um, prior to this season, I would have argued Hazard. But <laughs> exact same. Hazard yeah. at Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was Mbappe would, would be up there. Um, is that four? I think yeah. so. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm torn between uh, Sergio Aguero or Kareem Benzema. Hmm. And you I, think Benzema that high? Yeah. Uh, you Benzema's know, a Benzema's a great all-round striker. You know, I wouldn't. I honestly think when he was playing with Ronaldo, all the spotlight was in Ronaldo, and he was okay being the role player. But since Ronaldo left, I think Benzema has been carrying that team. He's been carrying that team with assists. He's been carrying that team with goals. Uh, you know, they were awful. And Zidane comes in and comes back, I should say. And here we go. Benzema is just playing so well again. So I think so. Based on this year, I would. that's what I would do. Mm. Based on this year, those are my top five. And Aguero, I don't think he's been playing as much. He's had some injury issues. And and I'm not – I don't have Kevin De Bruyne on there because I think there's so much talent in that City team. It is easy to be that good when you have that much talent surrounding you. I would argue and say that he makes them that good. <sighs> I mean, they have, they have firepower everywhere, but without De Bruyne – they're not the same. I'm not as scared of them if they played Tottenham without De Bruyne than if they played Tottenham with De Bruyne. I think, I think when you have in the midfield option of David Silva. Uh, Gundogan, Gundogan, sorry. He's a great player. Yeah, Gundogan. You have Mahrez on the wing. Yeah, Rodri now. I think it's – and I'm not taking anything away from Kevin. I think he's definitely probably seventh or eighth on my list. But I think when you have that much talent, it's easy to be that good because no matter what ball you deliver to them, Aguero is going to score anything he latches onto eight out of ten times. Oh, yeah. he's. I, I still think he's – if Harry Kane was on a better team, I'd put Harry Kane up there. But I think him and Lewandowski are the best strikers in the world. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think Benzema, for me, at this point – is up there just because Harry Kane has had injuries and he doesn't have nearly as well good of assists assistance that Green Benzema does to actually showcase that. But the only reason I'm putting Benzema up there is because he's actually been assisting just as much as scoring. And I, I think that's just you can't take that away. Like strikers like Benzema and Firmino who are willing to come back, get the ball and you know, administer it. That's that's good. You know, yeah, I, that's the thing. That's the thing about Benzema. Like he doesn't. He's not just like a oh, I'm just here to score goals. He's like, yeah, I'm here for the whole team. Like he'll do whatever it takes to like make the team score. And if it happens to be him scoring, cool. If somebody else scoring, he doesn't care. Just like he's there to facilitate everybody. Yeah. What about you, Steve? You're top five. I don't know, man. It's it's hard. That's a hard question. But like, I mean, Messi definitely number one. 
Um, I almost don't feel like putting Ronaldo in there just because, I don't know. I feel like his game has changed a lot since when it was like almost like considered like equal with Messi. His game has definitely changed a lot. But he's definitely I'll, – I'll still say number two, Ronaldo. Um, I really want to put a Man United player in there, but I can't let bias like <laughs> – <laughs> But, yeah, no, Messi, Ronaldo, Lewandowski. Um, are we doing, like, by the season or just, like, how we feel just, like, for the players? Oh, yeah. hmm? Just, yeah, just like how, how you feel in general, I think. I feel, okay. Then I would say Messi, Cristiano, Neymar. Um, Aguero. And Lewandowski. And that, that'd make a good team right there. <laughs> it would. Uh, just for a record, Benzema this season has 19 goals and 8 assists. Yeah, that's pretty scary. 85 yeah. games. Wow, that's that's pretty good. It's interesting that I think my top five would be Messi, Ronaldo, De Bruyne, Neymar, and probably Lewandowski as well. And it's interesting because there's not one Liverpool player in any of our <laughs> No, not even close. <laughs> I think I think Liverpool are a great team, and I that's why they are the English champions. Ugh. There's not a single player I think that's they're they're all outstanding. So it's really hard to pick Salah versus Sadio Mane, you know, or Firmino, who actually does more work than probably both of those uh, per game. So I think they're yeah. just they have like. Great team. Klopp is by far the best manager in the world, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. I think he's fantastic. Really? Uh, yeah. To think what he's able to do and not spend. How much money did Pep spend so far? Billion dollars. A billion dollars. <laughs> to do that and not spend a billion dollars, I, it's amazing. You know, and same can be said for Zidane. Zidane has done really well. Zidane, Zidane has had like player. I would say that's a little bit different. Though. Like, if you look at the players that are on Real Madrid, they're on a little bit different level. But I mean, you do have a point though. He's not just like going out there, just like bringing in just like Galacticos, like other. Yeah, he's he's. Kind of, yeah. He, I, I think he gave Isco and Vasquez that kind of bloomed under him. Um, I you know I I I like that. Actually, you know what. I would put Bale in my top five. And, <laughs> just for yeah. taking the piss. No, not for taking the piss. He's that good. It's just like he doesn't get the – like, for whatever is between him and Zidane, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But Bale, when he latches onto the ball on the left side of the, on the left side of the field, something's going to happen. Like, I still remember – oh, man. I still remember when I was playing for Tottenham, and he just, like, absolutely just, like – just destroyed Mike on multiple times over that over those two legs in the Champions League. I was like, what is going on? Like, he mean, just he, made... <laughs> he, he tore up in that 
in that Champions League run. Those... Like it was, it was so ridiculous, and he still does it too. He still does it like that was like his like breakout season or whatever. But he still does it to people. He just runs down the left side of the field. He don't like it doesn't look like he's going that fast. And all of a sudden he's like in the box. Like when do you get there? <laughs> <laughs> he just like it has just like the most like just the weakest looking shot, but places it perfectly. I was like, whoa, wow. Like that's that's bail though. Like he's not like. I mean, he's not a great, like, all-around player, but if you have him running down the left side of the field, like, he's, he's very likely to score. I will very take, likely to score. I will take Hazard over Bale. I, I think Bale is just super lazy. <laughs> and I don't think he cares now that he gets paid. So I, I wouldn't put Bale in even, like, top 30. I mean, so I, I think is, the thing is I agree with you. Um, I'll say if you go by just his talent, he's great. But if you go all around, like, do you want him on your team? Want to deal with like whatever like his attitude is? You oh. probably don't want him. Yeah, that's true. But I do, I do think he is an expert, expert troll. <laughs> he is. What was the shirt? Ireland golf, Madrid. Is that uh, Wales golf, Madrid? <laughs> But so he he didn't start that though. But he did hop on the bay. He did hop on the wagon though. Just <laughs> yeah, I like this. Oh man! Well, did you see that? Did you see the picture of him asleep with the face mask over his eyes? Yeah, it was another one today <laughs> that he had like a he had like a sheet of paper rolled up like this, and he was doing that. <laughs> Dude is living his best life, just like getting paid just hundreds of thousands of dollars a week, and just sitting on the bench. He's. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he doesn't try hard in training either. He doesn't need to. No. 